Welcome back to Conservative Conversations. I'm your host, Reed. And I'm Frank. Today we're going to be talking about Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin goes missing for a few days and the upcoming budget deadlines and more. So let's get started. And as a special programming note, if you're a regular listener, you might have noticed our episodes are typically uploaded on Monday. But due to some schedule changes, they'll be coming out on Wednesdays now. So keep your ears out for that. And before we get started, listeners, I want to remind you to please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also subscribe to our episodes on YouTube. We would appreciate that. And to get started, I'm going to talk about something that's been in the news over the weekend as we record. It's this story about the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, seemingly being missing in action for a couple of days, and nobody knew it. So what had happened was on Friday, January 5th, the press secretary for the Department of Defense announced to the press that Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has been in the hospital at that time since uh, January 1st following complications related to a elected procedure. And the big scandal is that He didn't tell anybody, and for like a couple days. On January 2nd, his second-in-command, Kathleen Hicks, had assumed certain uh, responsibilities, and even at that time, she wasn't told why. Uh, She didn't find out until January 4th, which is also when uh, the White House and the surrounding staff uh, for the White House found out about it. Oh, so not even the president knew? No. Uh, on January 4th is when the first time um, anybody around the White House knew. Wow. Right? Um, so I just kind of find that a pretty interesting story. A lot of people are you know, calling for his resignation. Goodness gracious. Um, and all that stuff. And people are wanting to know course why he didn't tell anybody and why he was in the hospital and all that a bunch of questions answered um the press secretary for the department of defense said part of the reason why they didn't say anything at first was for medical and privacy reasons but i believe i forget the name of the organization but there's a group that sort of represents the press core that surrounds the Department of Defense mm-hmm. that usually reports for them. They'd written like a letter to the Department of Defense and they even stated that you know there's certain you know, I don't know procedures the right word but you know, usually stuff like, like this. Like protocol. Yes that's something. probably what yeah. I'm looking for. Protocol regarding like medical issues that, like this that even go all the way up to the level of the presidency that the public is usually informed and such like that. So a lot of people are all up in arms about it, which rightfully so. I mean, my main concerns a lot. Some people are asking like what his the medical condition was and stuff like that, and people have the right to know that. Which I don't really think so because I think at a certain point, depending on what the medical condition is, depending on how much of it's made public, it could be used against the guy. He's 
the head of our defense department, for crying out loud. And he's, I just heard today, he's the second in line for the presidency if the five guys ahead of him get wiped out. So all Wait these, a minute. You say he's the second? Sixth. Did I oh, accidentally sixth. say second? Yeah, I thought so. Oh, if I did, I certainly meant sixth in line for the presidency. So he's even over that Millie guy? I don't I don't know where he would fall in, General Mark Milley. I don't know. Because it seems like they're always together. That's just why I ask. Like anytime yeah. the one gives testimony, it seems like the other one's right there. So yeah. I just wondered Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact pecking order beyond like I like I just said, I didn't even know until today that the Secretary of Defense is the sixth guy in line. I mean, as far as I'm my knowledge goes as the third person in line at the Speaker of the House. So I think all these questions about his medical condition, I mean, sure, I think at a certain extent we should know if he's about to croak or something, but to provide, to provide too many details, I don't think it's necessary. But the questions about why nobody was notified, I think, are very warranted because, I mean, God forbid something completely disastrous had happened while he was in the hospital and during the time like nobody knew about it and they needed to call upon him to give his advice and his consent or whatever i mean they don't know where he's at they're trying to reach the guy he's incapacitated for x amount of time so i you know it does occur to me that it's a very poor judgment on his part to not followed the protocol regarding these issues well how do you not even notify the president i mean it's a famous saying that they serve at the pleasure of the president and you can't even let the big guy know right i mean mean, at least if even if you you think he's his brain's the mush at least notify his people well you know it's funny that you say it that way because i was gonna say at least give him 10 percent of the (laughs) truth (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way 10% to it. for the big guy. That's right, yeah. But I feel like just from what you told me, and I haven't read a thing on that. Now, I saw a few headlines about Lloyd Austin, but mm. I didn't read anything going right. into this. And so I'm just learning about it from you. And I heard you say that it was an elective surgery. Yeah, the surgery took place, I believe, like the 22nd of December. Well, that tells me right there that you know, obviously this wasn't something life-threatening or anything like that. I mean, right. maybe the complication is life-threatening, but right. yeah. But to me it sounds like he went for a LASIK eye surgery or something like that, something right. that you would opt for but yeah, don't have a, to do. Right, that's why I, I called so it. So I think in, in that view, mm-hmm. this is sort of egregious Yeah, because he chose to go have the procedure and like it's not even medically necessary right yeah <laughs> i mean it's certainly not i wouldn't necessarily say it's his fault that complications arose because you know he chose to have the procedure well of course not but this just shows exactly why you would notify somebody yeah. i need i'm choosing to go do this thing and something could happen mm-hmm. just like any kind of medical procedure there's always extraneous risks and factors and stuff. Well, sure. You might say walking across the street has certain risks, but 
this is you're choosing to go under mm-hmm. the knife right <laughs> so i think it's a little different you yeah. you might say that the the risk is amplified you know right and you're it's a choice not not like some doctor saying you have you must to do this to live or right. whatever so yeah that seems pretty bad it seems like what do they call it? negligence at the very oh, least yeah, definitely mm-hmm I mean, like I said a second ago, I, it really just seems to be a poor judgment call because I, I don't get the sense he wouldn't have notified people out of malice. Like, what kind of, you know, malignant, is that the right word? No, malicious. Mal- yeah, malicious action would he be trying to conduct by not letting us know? Well, sure. And see, that's why some people are going to go to his defense, of right. course. Yeah. You know, they will. But, well, and I have to say, I mean, if I'm going to say anything in his defense, it's that I like Lloyd a lot more than I like Mike, Mike Milley. Oh, yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean, if you were to put those two guys together, and like I said, you know, this is just my brain and my recollection, but the two are always together. Yeah, very and So often. if you're going to ax one of them, I'd rather see that Millie go. Mm-hmm. I do not like that guy. Right. I won't. I'll just keep it surface level. I won't get any deeper than that. But Lloyd Austin, I don't really have big problems with. I, I don't so really either. I have a feeling that despite all the hullabaloo, he's not going anywhere. He's probably just going to be censured or slapped on the wrist or mm-hmm. some letters going to be put in his file or something. You know. Yeah. He probably won't be. Yeah, I feel like one of the headlines I saw was saying that he had no plans to resign. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he won't resign, and I'm sure he won't be dismissed. Right. So, yeah. It Uh, is an interesting story. Yeah, I I thought so, too. It is completely baffling why he would have chose not to follow the protocol over something like this. I guess it's, I mean, I guess it could happen to anybody. Sure. You know, you just think, oh, I'm getting a, a mole cut off. Right. Well, I don't need to tell anybody about that. And then they go and accidentally cut your arm off instead. And it's like, <laughs> oh, maybe I should have notified my employer. Well, it's, I mean, you would think when he went to the hospital on the 1st, because like I mentioned, his procedure was on December 22nd. Right. So it had been at least a week. When he had gone to the hospital on the first to go to the ICU, that I mean, if they he didn't noti- notify anybody about the procedure, which from all my understanding he did because he had planned uh, to be off during that time, that would have been the time to certainly notify somebody. Is when he was on his way to the hospital for the emergency. Yeah. You no. Know, oh, I'm in the ambulance. Please tell the, the president just in case. Well. And I think a nuanced point here would be that you know he has a staff of right, people. Right. I mean, even if he were in such a state that he's not going to call and say, hey, right, yeah, exactly. boss, I can't make it in today. You know there's somebody around. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like he I, – I mean, I shouldn't put it this way, but I have a strong suspicion that he wasn't driving his own Ford Escort to the hospital. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he probably he, has a lot of people around him. Right. Well, at the very least, I'm pretty sure he's a married man. Well, certainly. Yeah. yeah. His, his wife could have notified somebody, too. I mean, less, I mean, 
I certainly don't know the workings of the government at that level. Maybe there's a reason why she wouldn't have notified anybody. I don't know. But it seems to me if it's really an emergency, maybe he didn't think it was. You know, at the very least, like you were saying, there's somebody that could pass along the message. Yeah. And they chose not to. And it could have, it could have, and thank goodness it didn't, ended up in a huge mess. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess more I'm sure will follow. People are asking questions, and they're going to want their answers. Yeah. Well, and I hope we get some. Yeah. I'd like to know. I mean, was it an eye surgery? Was it a mole being cut off? I mean, mm-hmm. I'd at least like to have the question answered. Right. But, but yeah, that's all I have on the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin story. Alrighty. Well, to move into my first topic here... It was just very recently, just two days ago, the anniversary of January 6th and the storming of the Capitol and all of that. Insurrection Day. The insurrection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was interesting, mostly some of the reactions that Mm -hmm. some personalities had to the date. I happened to... At work with a coworker, we had been listening to an NPR music program. It was just music. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the top of the hour, every so often, they'll do a short little news rundown. Mm-hmm. And I was just absolutely disgusted at how NPR discussed January mm-hmm. 6th. And they said some things about Trump, you know, as mm-hmm. a fact, as a a matter of fact that he led the insurrection, he called for the insurrection, he, whatever, they state this stuff as fact. Right, and this is the mm-hmm. national public radio that our tax dollars are paying for. And I just think crap. it's amazing. I mean, how are they not being sued for libel and slander? Right. I mean, because what actually is a fact that is that Trump has not been tried Mm -hmm. for insurrection. He has not been found guilty of insurrection, whatever. And they sit there and just state this Mm -hmm. stuff like it's the Bible, you know? They completely try to memory hold the line of him saying peacefully and patriotically, go make your voices heard. That's like completely wiped out of, you know, leftist media memory hole they won't play that clip well absolutely a lot of them like to pretend it never happened i mean i think it's questionable whether some of them even know it you know because they're so caught in their echo chambers and Mm -hmm. they listen to their npr news and whatever Mm -hmm. and they just believe this stuff because it's just put out there as fact right but i think it's interesting i think it's tangentially related to something we covered the last time about how, you know, this is going to go up before the Supreme Court. Right. Because it's directly tied to why some of the states and the state Supreme Courts are trying to b- prevent Trump from being even listed on the ballot. Right? Mm-hmm. You remember us talking about that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what the Supreme Court is going to find is that he wasn't found guilty. Mm-hmm. of any insurrection he hasn't been tried for right. leading an insurrection and i guarantee you they're going to throw this out and 
I mean, seriously, I, I don't think I've ever gone this far before, but I would bet my life on this, that it's going to be thrown out. Because especially if you look at the 14th Amendment and it's, what do they call it? It's like an ineligibility clause or something like that. And it says that if you've ever led an insurrection or something like that against the United States, that you are ineligible to run for president. Well, if you look at the historical context of how that got into the 14th Amendment and why it's there... Well, it doesn't even say anything about presidency. Well, whatever it is, office, however it phrases it. I don't have the Constitution here before me. But if you look at how that got in there and the time period, it had to do with the Civil War that Mm -hmm. had just happened. And it's basically saying, in a sense, that if you've ever taken up arms... You've ever tried to secede from the country and you've taken up arms against the United States as a nation that you wouldn't count. So it was trying to prevent who was the president of the Confederacy? Uh, Je- was, I think his last name was Jefferson. It's something. It's something like that. Or maybe yeah. Jefferson Davis? Jefferson Davis. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Something something along that mm-hmm. lines, though. The people, you can do a very quick Google and yeah. find out who we're talking about. But. It was basically to prevent, because of the split in ties and, you know, f- the split in favoritism and how mm-hmm. the South had basically enacted their own president, mm-hmm. yeah. it was to prevent someone like that from becoming the president of the entire nation. Right. So, well, the I- also for, like, you know, anybody who whoever they were who took up arms in the Confederacy to keep them from being senators and congressmen trying to get into office and basically, you know... Amend the Constitution, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, you know, <clears throat> still enforce and keep in slavery and all that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guarantee you that when the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. who that's what they do, is they look at these things, they look at context, mm-hmm. they look at the literal... Word for word, what was put into the 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. There's no way, especially when you look at the 6 3 split, right. that they are going to call Trump an insurrectionist. There's no way that that's going to happen, that they're mm-hmm. going to prevent him from being on the ballot. Right. It's just not going to happen. No, I so, don't think so either. <clears throat> but what I can't believe in what isn't a joke, is that there are people out there comparing January 6th to Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. They're comparing January 6th to Mm 9-11. There was an MSNBC host, I didn't catch his name, but he cried on air just this year, just just the other day. Oh yeah, I saw, saw this just earlier when he had on a cop. Yes, yeah. the cop who wrote that memoir or uh-huh, that book yeah. about about January 6th. And the person I listened to talk about that clip pointed out that the cop, you can see his affect change. Oh, almost. yeah. Because he almost, from the person I was listening to, said it seemed like he was just going to come on and talk about his book and all that. And when this doofus started crocodile tearing up, he had to, I guess he had to feel like he had to play along or whatever. I don't know. But he had to go along with the with the mood. But no, I'm glad you bring that up because that is exactly what I'm going for here. That stark 
contrast between mm-hmm. somebody who actually was there and lived through it. Right. You know, to him, he's just trying to sell a book. Now, I'm not yeah. trying to discredit him. Sure. I'm sure he has some kind of grievance or there's something unique about his memoirs or sure. whatever. You know, I'm not trying to just discredit the man. My point is that this man was actually there and lived through it. Mm-hmm. And what does he want to do? He wants to sell his book three right. years later. Yeah. He wants another crack at being on the New York Times bestseller list again. Right. But then you have, like you say, I'll just use your term because I happen to agree with it. You have this doofus who all he does is spin the news all day long, uh-huh. sitting there like this is an acting class, practicing his crocodile tears. Right. And it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how this gets covered, even three years later. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, what I'd like to remind our listeners is that we were recording at the time. You can go back and find our material. We talked about, you know, sort of our own reactions to the January 6th things. And it wasn't the best day oh, no. for America. I don't know anybody who would think it was. It wasn't the best day. It was... A day filled with regret. I mean, just... Right? It wasn't a good day. <clears throat> but the, to compare it to Pearl Harbor or 9-11, mm-hmm. to cry about it three years later as if... It just know, happened yesterday and he, mm-hmm. he, that, that reporter lost somebody? It's just so disingenuous. Mm-hmm. It's discourteous. It's, it's all kinds of things. It's, yeah. it's dirty. In right. a way, I think it's very dirty. Well, it's completely <clears throat> gross to even compare them to those two events. Pearl Absolutely, it is. Thousands and hundreds of people lost their lives on those days, and only well, I think f- five people they say supposedly lost their lives on January sixth. When in actuality, one person lost their lives on January sixth, and the others died later due to other related factors. Well, and plus, you have to look at it this way, too. The other two, Pearl Harbor and 9-11, were true acts of terrorism. Right, right. They want to stretch what happened on January 6th and Mm -hmm. compare it to terrorism. Okay, maybe you could do that. Maybe you could stretch it Mm -hmm. and compare it to terrorism. But to compare (laughs) what happened to 9-11 is just morally bankrupt. Mm-hmm, right. It's just not right. It's right. not right at all whatsoever. Well, I mean, it was Friday, I believe, Joe Biden gave a speech at Valley Forge. Yep. And he said January 6th was the day we almost lost America. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, what, there's maybe 100, 200,000 people at that rally, and certainly not even all of them stormed through the Capitol, and even a smaller percentage of them were violent. And that's the day we almost lost America when three hours later the vice president certified the votes giving Joe Biden the presidency? You're ridiculous, old man. What is ridiculous? And here I have one other point. I might have two other points on this. I don't know. But I definitely have this one. There's a D.C. attorney. I didn't catch his name. But it'll be in the clip that I've provided that'll be in the show notes. There's a D.C. attorney. He's a black man. Didn't catch his name. And he said 
that the Justice Department is now considering charging those people who were present. Just present? The ones who were behind the barricades. Oh, okay. So he said that primarily the Justice Department has been focused on the ones who committed acts of violence or destruction or whatever. I can't remember the exact criteria that they've been focusing on. Mm -hmm. But he basically said that now they're open to charging the thousands of people who were unlawfully present, meaning like behind the barricades or in areas uh, that like they weren't. Like trespass or something? Something. They just want to charge them. But it should, yes, they just want to charge him with something. And this uh -huh. is three years later. And I almost wonder if that's not why they hype it all up, because it's a political weapon. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to use it as a weapon to right. charge more people to, you know, to whatever, put more political adversaries behind bars and uh -huh. slander them. Well, you know, slander them in the sense that it'll be a... a whatever you call it, a dark mark on their mm -hmm. record that'll show, you know, when they go to get a job, when they mm -hmm. go to whatever, it'll show well, on there. If, if they're able to convict them of felonies, presumably that disqualifies them from being able to vote. Uh, maybe. Yeah. If, mm -hmm. I, if I understand the, that law correctly about felons and voting. Well, I mean, it's a good point because it helps solidify what i'm trying to say right. that they're just trying to use it as a weapon mm -hmm. so see it even goes that's how disingenuous they are right they want to sit there and do their fake crying and compare it to 9-11 right only to use it as a weapon against people who happen to be present right yeah exactly i mean it's terrible it's terrible. Mm -hmm. But there's one last point. I, I thought I had another point on this, and I do. I have one last one. There's this fella on YouTube. His name is Mark Dice. I've plugged him before. He's in several of our show notes. I He does really good and thorough stuff. But one of the other things that he does is he does a lot of these man-on-the-street interviews mm -hmm. where right. he goes out and just talks to people. He lives in California. So it's almost a great spot to do it, right. too, you yeah. know? But he just goes out to, like, Santa Monica or wherever he lives. I don't know where he lives. And he asks people. So he did it for this one. Mm -hmm. He went out, and he's asking random people. And, you know, of course, he splits it up by showing you the TV personalities and how they're reacting. And then he goes and talks to some bunch of people on the street, and he'll say, uh -huh. what happened January 6th? People go, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. He's just asking everybody. Uh-huh. And you figure this is California, Santa Monica, rich area, nice area. Uh -huh. People just out on leisure time. They've got money to spend. You know, uh -huh. how do you have leisure time if you're poor? Probably you don't, you know. Right. They have no idea what January 6th is if you just ask people. Right. So I just think that's very telling, too, that, you know, it's this certain sort of it's only if you travel in certain circles or you listen to NPR daily or you watch MSNBC daily that this even matters to the general public. It doesn't. No. Most people couldn't even tell you what happened on January 6th. Right. So I just think that's interesting, you know? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and part of, I think, another thing that Joe Biden said about uh, in his speech the other day is that, I guess, Trump is focused on the past and he's supposedly going to be focused on the future well he's the guy who's standing here talking about 
January 6th, which is three years ago now. In Valley Forge. Yeah. Which happened a long time ago. Years ago. <laughs> right. So who's, who's the guy focused on the past? It's not Trump. I mean, I haven't heard him talk too much about January 6th recently. And, you know, continuing on about how he's he was robbed of his presidency and all that fraudulent votes i haven't heard him talk about that well in my opinion what's there to talk about it was a difference of opinion that a lot of people share sure did mike have the power or not Mm -hmm. that's what it all boils down to right yes like i said i haven't heard him talking about that stuff lately but yet here joe biden's focused on pointing out january 6th still three years gone and you know it's it makes well. It makes sense to, for them, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know what I'm going. It's just dumb. I don't know. It is just dumb. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a tool, you know. Right. Well, I think this kind of takes me pretty well into the next thing I was going to talk about. Um, I originally wanted to try to make a comparison of Joe Biden's first campaign ad of this calendar year, 2024. Versus one that Trump had put out for the first of this year. Maybe to see, you know, kind of what they're framing each other's campaigns as or whatnot. But Donald Trump hasn't released one for this year. His most recent upload ad on YouTube, anyway, was a Christmas Day special special message. I did notice some interesting little bits while I was looking at the two YouTube channels. And... When I saw that Trump didn't really have anything for this year, I went to Joe Biden's channel because I wanted to listen to his ad a little bit. And one of the things I noticed was first was their subscriber counts. How many subscribers each of their channel has. Do you want to take any, any guesses of how much they have? Well, I probably couldn't guess the numbers, but I bet Trump has double Biden's. More than double. More oh okay all right Joe Biden, eight hundred and five thousand subscribers. Donald Trump, two point seven nine million subscribers. And another thing I noticed was their channel descriptions. What they write uh, about what the channel is. All right, this is what the little description box for Joe Biden's channel says: uh, Husband to Dr. Biden, proud father and grandfather. Ready to build back better for all Americans. That's it. That's his channel description. And I thought it was so... Husband to Dr. Biden. Yes, that's the, like the funniest part to me. That's the first thing you put. I think it's an awful sentence because it should say Jill Biden to clarify. For somebody who doesn't know, you know, right. saying She's... Dr. Biden, I mean, it just comes off a little funny. It makes right. you wonder, what? <laughs> She's not an MD. Well, I mean, you'd have to assume she's a, a she. That's what I'm saying. Dr. Biden, without giving any kind of clarifying oh, that she's yeah, a yeah. female, just I, makes I you see. think, what? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> but then the proud father and grandfather, I thought, well, except for one of your grandkids. And then, of course, the Build Back Battle for All Americans, which he is not doing. And then Trump's description <laughs> simply just says, hold on here, 
45th This president. is the official YouTube channel for Donald J. Trump. Huh. YouTube channel. I think I said YouTube channel. Yeah, that's all it says. This is the official YouTube channel for Donald J. Trump. Pretty clear and simple. Tells you exactly what you're what you're looking at. Well, plus he's so famous. Right. I mean, what what do you need to say? Right, yeah. I thought it'd say something more like his Twitter handle, though, and be like, he's the 45th president of the United States. and I mean, for the longest time, he wasn't even on Twitter. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't really have too much to, I guess, really say about those things, other than I thought they were kind of fun observations, especially a subscriber count. You know, I mean... Well, that's interesting. I also think it's an interesting dichotomy that you bring up about how one is overtly political uh-huh. and one is not. One just says, hey, that's my YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> yep. I'm trying to think of what else I can say. Well, then I guess I'll kind of talk about his Joe Biden's ad a little bit. But if you listen to the, his ad, it's a one minute long ad, and the man could barely get through the first five seconds. His He starts off by saying, I wish I would have written the quote down. I, I didn't have my laptop when I was listening to the, the ad. But he goes on to say something, something, something about American democracy. But he could barely say American democracy. He like swallows half of the word democracy. And of course he goes on and kind of slurs some of his speech together that makes sense to me because didn't he talk about that in the valley forge speech too about how it's a question of whether we're going to save america's sacred honor that or whatever he says that of democracy right he he really hits that quite a yeah, bit. yeah that's that's one of the big words in his ad is democracy we got to save uh, democracy well, we're not a, a democracy trump's a threat to our democracy and all, all that stuff well, i bet he is we're not a democracy <laughs> right but one yeah one of my points is you know just listen to this ad i don't know how you can take the man serious seriously we can barely get through it it's a pre-recorded ad it's not live he's it's not streamed and it's still horrible right yeah so you i get think what you're saying they could have taken take after take after take until they got it right but they still end up with the guy flubbing his lines barely getting them out right Oh, he probably was just like, I think we got it. I got to go lay down. I got to go get my ice cream. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I wanted to bring that up. Uh If you remember the New Year's speech. Oh, yeah. It was the same way. He had his cue cards in his hand. Mm -hmm. You know, some people really harped on him for that. Mm -hmm. Jill the whole time looks like she's having a root canal because she just is like rolling her eyes. She... Mm -hmm. How do you stop him? He's the president. He's in the middle of talking. Mm-hmm. And it's it's awful what right. he's saying. And he's saying it so badly. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I'd like to ask the audience on this one. If you saw that New Year's speech, I want to know, was Ryan Seacrest doing a sort of tongue-in-cheek mock of the Bidens, when he told him, the last thing he said was, okay, well, you guys go get you two scoops of ice cream for each of you. Is that not somebody, is that not him making fun of them? I kind of think so. I think so, too, because yeah, it's like, such a go, mockery. Yeah, go that off that's, and do not your job. I know, that's all he does is eat ice cream. Uh-huh. And there's Ryan Seacrest saying, go get your two scoops. 
you know? And it's like, is that a polite way of saying go get bent? Because that's <laughs> that's sort of how I took it. I thought it was interesting. Right. But yeah, the, I mean, like I said, listen to this ad. I mean, within the first five seconds, I, I literally stopped yeah. the video to see how far it had gotten when he could barely say democracy. It was five seconds. I, I thought I was going to say at least ten. Ten seconds out of the sixty. But no. So he could barely get through this ad. I don't know how anybody can take him seriously. Especially when, as we were talking about, like the big theme of this ad is how Trump's a big threat to democracy. While he's got his supporters in some of these states trying to kick Trump off the ballot. Which ain't going to fly. Right. And if Joe Biden at least had any concern for the democracy he talks about, why wouldn't he at least come out and say, knock it off? This is not, this is how democracy works. Yeah, it's up to the people. Right. But he's not, he's not coming out and saying that. Of course, they're thugs. Right. So, I mean, as is usual for some of the leftists, they're, they're projecting. He's, he's talking about, again, the threat to democracy posed by Donald Trump. But his fellow, I mean, I can only assume they're supporters, they're Democrats, you know, in this in these states and like the Secretary of State in Maine, the late I guess the Secretary of State in Colorado, all these people leading the charges to try to get Trump off the ballot. I don't know any of them that are registered Republicans. I'm certainly open to hearing if there are any. Oh, there's probably somebody. Sure. Chris Christie. Come on. <laughs> so there's somebody uh-huh, out there. Uh-huh, the, the guys from the Lincoln Project. Yeah. Can't think of his name. But I think it's interesting because, I mean, like you're saying, not only is it disingenuous, mm-hmm. I think it's deeper than that, though, because there was an old CIA, CIA director. Uh, I couldn't tell you his name, and I'll have to... The best that I can do is I'll find the quote, uh, the link, and put it in the show notes. But there was an old CIA director that warned about this in particular, mm-hmm. this right here. We are not a democracy. Right. That's a fact. Now, do you think that Joe Biden and Maisie Hirono and, uh, you know, what's her name, Warren and whoever, do you think that they truly believe that we're a democracy? Or do you think that they're trying to fool the ignorant public into believing that we're a democracy when we're not? I'm probably saying they're trying to fool them because they love talking about the popular vote. Of course they're trying to fool them. Yeah. Of course. Now, you know, it might be a bigger question of, you know, is that just their party's beliefs that we should be a democracy? Is that why they're Democrats? Is Mm. that what they believe? But they would have to know these are people high up in the government— they would have to know that we are not a democracy. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's literally the definition of gaslighting to come out and say, we're a democracy. The most sacred thing in America is Mm -hmm. democracy. No, the most sacred thing is the Constitution. Right. So, I just think it's it's gaslighting. Yeah. I mean, because the other point I was going to make, besides the fact that they're trying to kick Trump off the ballot, which... You know, it's being conducted by the the individuals in these states, the governments, you know, what I'm trying to say, the state governments. Whereas regarding Trump's uh, 
court cases that have been brought against him is, at least a couple of them, on a federal level where Joe Biden certainly could, you know, have his input on how it goes. Or what do they always say? Put his finger on the scale. Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I don't know of anything that Donald Trump did during his presidency in 2020 that tried to stop Joe Biden from, one, being on the ballot, or two, being able to run for the office. They want to charge him up on these charges to help, hopefully, prevent him from even being eligible for the office. Well, you have to remember, that goes back. I mean, he didn't have the CIA or the FBI on his side. They were totally against him. Right. What What the heck was he going to do? Right. Weaponize the FBI? It was already weaponized against him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. So this is, I mean, this whole ad about the democracy thing, I don't think it's going to fly. When I looked at it this morning, it was released roughly four days ago as we were recording. I think it had less than 20,000 views on it. I think. Well, and you say, let me get this right. You say that Trump hasn't really put out any official ads. Not for this calendar year. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I'd like to recycle something that I've said before. Sure. End on a a laugh here. But it's also a true suggestion Mm -hmm. because this would work for me i guarantee you if this came on my television what i'm about to say Mm -hmm. if it came on my television i would laugh my butt off and i'd want to vote for trump but i've said it once before so our true listeners maybe even you maybe you won't find this so funny but (laughs) what i would do is i would literally put up a, a image of biden where he's saying and i you know he's got that quote where he said, look how Trump walks down ramps and how I run upstairs. You remember whatever that quote uh, was, yeah, whatever like that, it yeah. was. Watch how he walks downstairs and I run up them, whatever it was. Uh-huh. I'd have that. And then on the side, I'd have a montage of him tripping and falling and tripping and falling. Right. All the times him going up Air Force One and tripping. Right, and holding <laughs> Jill's hand, walking up the steps. Yes. Uh-huh. That... And you don't even have to say anything political. No. Forget abortion. Forget the border. Forget the economy. Uh, forget it all. That's what I would put up there uh-huh. because the American people, they are kind of simple. You know, I mm-hmm. love them. Don't get me sure. wrong. But they are kind of simple and something like that would work. Right. Just to show him saying, watch how Trump can't walk upstairs and I run up him and right. then trip, 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 trip. Yeah. <laughs> Like a gag reel. Yes, like a gag reel. That's exactly. So that's my suggestion to Trump. Maybe that should be his first ad of the year. (laughs) Right. Well, maybe we ought to tweet that suggestion at him from our official Twitter, which you can follow us at at Contempt Conserve. You certainly can. want to call it. Twitter X. X, formerly known as Twitter. Right. Whatever it is. If you go to Twitter.com, it still takes you to X. (laughs) So it's whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I think that that'd be a pretty pretty decent ad. I mean, it's like you said, he doesn't even have to say anything. No. Show. That's what I think is one of the beautiful things of it, yeah. too. And I think it would appeal to Trump. I mean, he knows how the mm-hmm. masses work. That's right. how he ran a famous television program right. for years off two words. 
you're fired. Right? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, similarly, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. I had come across late some more clips of the town hall Trump had with Hannity back in December or whenever it was. It was in that same town hall where Trump said he was going to be dictator on day one. Only on day one. Right. So he could drill, drill, drill and close the border. Well, in that same town hall, Trump had talked about how, you know, when when Joe Biden said he he wanted to take Trump out behind a barn and, I guess, beat him up or whatever. Yeah. Well, Trump told Hannity, all I'd have to do is go behind the barn and... You probably over. wouldn't even have to do that. You'd probably just have to stand there for about 45 seconds. Yeah, and he'd just fall over. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's... I mean, this man is failing before our eyes in many ways, uh, Joe Biden is. When in a lot of ways, you know, I know we need to wrap this part up, but in a lot of ways, he's been that way since day one. Right. So I think that's what's truly sad. We've even called it elder abuse here on this mm-hmm. channel before. Yeah, it is sad. It absolutely is. It's. T- I mean, I can't imagine being in that condition mm-hmm. at that age and people just parading me around. Right. I wouldn't right. wish that on anybody. Right, yeah. I mean, as much as it could be fun to come on here and you know, make make fun of the old guy, I mean, it, it is still a sad situation that people are putting him in these positions where he looks like a fool. Well, he is a fool. He's always been a fool. I'm mean, sure, but, I mean, he could at least go be a fool. In a retirement home? Right, in a, I mean, in his... <laughs> Beach House in Delaware in Rehoboth. So, I mean, it's... I can't wait for him not to be the president. I think it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Right. I, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. unless... Well, you know. Unless we get into an issue that maybe we'll cover on a future episode or something like that. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I kind of had on Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And well, that's cool. I think it was a very interesting segment. Yeah. Um, I'll try, I don't know how long we've been going, but I'll try to make this pretty quick. Um, my second topic was just something we've covered before. You know, this comes up so often, but they're once again running Congress. This is about Congress. Mm -hmm. Congress is again running up against a deadline to fund the government. So there's apparently two deadlines. Um, I didn't catch and I didn't do a super deep dive on what the distinction or difference between the two deadlines are, but there's a deadline for January 19th and another deadline for February 2nd. And they're coming up on this like gridlock again where Mm -hmm. they maybe can fund the government, maybe they can't, they can't really agree on stuff. It seems like they did reach a potential deal because they've agreed on a figure. They're going to spend $1.66 trillion. Oh my gosh. Yep. And $886 billion of it is going to be for defense alone. The other, whatever it is, 770 some odd billion is just going to be for the rest of the government. So that's what they're really fighting over is mm-hmm. less than half of what they've appropriated. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on. Right. And so I'll just kind of do it like a, as a quick rundown. We can maybe make a few points if you want to, but like I said, I, I'll try to keep this segment short because I think we've been going for a little while here. But 
There's a big border issue they mm -hmm. keep fighting over. We've covered it on the channel. There are big issues with the border. Oh, yeah. So they're trying to sort of figure that out. They want to aid Israel, give aid to Israel. Mm -hmm. There are talks of impeaching Biden. I don't know how that's tied to the funding, but... In some of the reporting that's going to be linked in the show notes, they bring it up as part of the funding. I don't know why, hmm. but there's impeachment talks. And they also brought up that Hunter Biden is potentially going to be charged with contempt of Congress. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know how this has anything to do with the funding of the government, but I guess it speaks more to how the parties are like viewing each other and how they're getting along mm -hmm. and whether or not they're going to be able to agree on where to put these funds. Right. So I just think it's interesting. You know, we come up on this so often and a lot of times they just do these continuing resolutions, mm -hmm. but it seems like both sides, one of the things that's, I don't know, good or bad. I, I don't know. But they both seem to agree that doing a continuing resolution for the term of a year is not something either side wants to do. Hmm. They don't want to do any CR. Right. So that kind of gives me hope. I bring that up because it does seem like they're going to strike a deal. Mm -hmm. I just think it's sort of questionable, though, still, because this Mike Johnson doesn't seem as strong as I wish he were. I'm not right. saying anything negative about him. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't seem like he's as strong as a speaker as I wish he were. Right. Still to me, even after these months that he's been in his position, I still feel like I don't know who the heck he is. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And he's making these deals with Chuck Schumer, and it just... <sighs> It just still seems to me like I, I wish I knew who he was. I wish he were stronger. I wish right. he were, you know, more out there and going after it. I st keep seeing Matt Gates hit some points pretty hard. Uh -huh. And I know he's like a younger guy and a younger member of Congress, but it seems to me like he'd almost be a more effective speaker of the House because at least he can make some points and get headlines and get our point across. Uh-huh. But anyway, just to touch on the Hunter Biden thing. Now, this sort of gets out of the funding, but they want to charge him with contempt of Congress because he was supposed to go testify. Mm -hmm. But instead, he stood out on like the lawn of the Capitol somewhere. I'm yeah, not exactly sure where. And gave a speech instead of going to testify in front of Congress. Yeah, basically giving them the middle finger and saying, in a see way, ya. yes, in a way, giving them the middle finger. So I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And I sort of see how it can tie into this funding thing because, like, why are the Democrats, why are they going to be nice if that's what they're going to do is go after right. Hunter? There's another thing, too, that I found out. Fauci is about to be called to testify hmm. on yeah, quite a bit of stuff. behind closed doors. Yes, behind closed doors, but it's supposed to, I don't remember if it was two days or three days, he's supposed to give like a couple of days worth of testimony, hmm. 
And it's not only about the handling of COVID, but in particular, they're supposed to be hammering him on how they calculated the death tolls Hmm. and some of the discrepancies there, you know? And if you remember, I think this is something else that we've covered before on the channel. You can correct me if I'm wrong. This is just my recollection, but I remember calling into question the counting. And there was this, um, how do you say it? There was this sort of rumor or what along those lines. There was talk that, you know, Medicare and Medicaid and the hospitals and whatever, that they were being paid extra Mm -hmm. to classify things as a COVID death, even if it wasn't. Or maybe they had a a much bigger underlying condition, like a heart condition, Mm -hmm. And the COVID was just a secondary or tertiary contributing factor. Right. The difference between died from COVID and died with COVID. Exactly. So I think that's going to be very interesting too. And I guess just to sort of end here, I guess I can see why the Hunter Biden thing and the Fauci thing are part of this funding story. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. if that's what the Republicans are going to go after, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe the the Democrats don't really want to play ball. Right. Um, Well, it seems to me that, if I understand correctly, if these deadlines aren't met with the funding, we go to another government shutdown again. And, of course, if the government shuts down, they can't do those things. Uh, Have Fauci in for... Uh, the the hearings and proceed with holding Hunter Biden in contempt and bringing impeachment. Well, uh, I don't know towards Joe Biden. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just don't know how true that is because it usually seems. I mean, we lived through. I'd have to rack my brain. I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but we lived through an actual and a real shutdown before, and usually they. I mean, because the shutdown comes up, you know, mm-hmm. it comes up and it comes up and we've lived through probably several, but mm-hmm. there was one that was really deep. You might say it really lasted. And what they do is they usually shut down all the not important stuff. I don't think that they're just going to take away Congress's funding. I mean, those people are still going to get paid. They're still going to have to go to Capitol Hill. It's not like they're going to shut Congress down, the House of Representatives down. Well, I'm okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, but I think they, I mean, during the shutdown period, presumably all the focus would be on trying to get, get it reopened so they don't have time to devote to towards those things. I understand that that would be the focus, but I, I just think it'll be interesting. You know, I don't want to go back and forth on right. what they would do in that scenario, but. Because um, obviously the focus would be on getting the government back open again. Right. But I don't think that budget alone would dictate what the committees do and what the committees bring to the floor. And, you know, the same, you know, there's all that parliamentary procedure and whatever. And I think that if a committee brought something to the mm-hmm. floor in proper fashion, I mean, the house isn't going to be shut down. So they'll probably still follow protocol and right. they'd have to go and vote 
if something was brought forward, you know. Right. Well, I guess my only question to the Republicans then would be, I mean, how how does not getting the money prevent those things from happening? Because I guess if it's if it's not the things I assume, which I said a moment ago, then I can't guess why they're trying to tie that money to being able to conduct the committee hearings and the impeachment charges and all that. Well, I don't think it is. Most of the reporting that I looked at here on this topic, you'll mm-hmm. see, you know, I sent you the links to publish, are from liberal sites. Mm. And they're the ones bringing this up. And oh, that's okay. why I said it the way I said it. Okay. Is I think basically these things come up in a funding discussion because people are saying, well, if that's what the Republicans are going to be chasing after, why right. give them the ball? Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. I guess I don't really have a point on that. Yeah. Because I understand what you're saying. Then. Yeah. It will be interesting to see because, I mean, like I'd, I'd like to know more about Mike Johnson too. I don't really have too much of an opinion on how well he's doing so far. The only thing I would be able to say is I, I think it's just indicative of how our government works. The incentives to really want to cut the budget and really set up good funding, I mean, the, I don't think the incentive is really there. And... At a certain point, to get something passed, you got to make a deal. And if the only thing you can agree on is crap bills all the time, that's what we're going to get until we can actually agree on not crap bills. But yep. I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily say that if, like, Matt Gates was a speaker, he would face the same problem. He very well could well, absolutely against the— the Democrats and get self-passed, but I still think it's just a problem with the government. I feel like Matt Gates would run into the same problem. Well, yeah, and one, you know, it's it's a different topic for a different discussion. Sure. But the party system in America has failed. Yeah. So, <laughs> as much mm-hmm. as I love the Republicans and why they were created and why they're the party they are, I don't know that they're. I mean, I don't know that the party system itself is effective, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Right. Is that all you got on that one? That's all I got on that one. Okay. So if you thought this was a great conservative conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. And also, you can subscribe on YouTube. We have been creating some exciting shorts on there recently. And you can also check out our other show, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show, wherever you are listening to this. We hope you might share us with a friend. We hope that you'll give us a heart or a like or a thumbs up wherever you're viewing this. And as always... We thank you for listening.